Hi, welcome to the analysis.news. I'll be back in just a few seconds to talk with Tom Ferguson about the debt ceiling debacle, the debt ceiling crisis, the debt ceiling theater. I don't know. Take your choice. Be back in just a second. Tom Ferguson is probably the leading expert in the United States on money and politics. He wrote the seminal the Golden Rule, the investment theory of party competition and the logic of money-driven political systems. He's also the director of research at the Institute for New Economic Thinking. Thanks for joining me, Tom. Glad to be here. Now, as the Pope said, I'm still alive. So in a recent piece in Naked Capitalism, uh, Eve Smith uh, referred to this debate over the debt ceiling as kayfabe. Uh, for those that don't know what kayfabe is, this is a term about people who believe professional wrestling is real and treat the theater or, or report on the theater as if it's actually uh, the story. Um, how much of this is theater? What the ha What is this thing really about? Well, what it was about was an effort to cut spending um, sort of jointly administered by the Democrats and the Republicans in which the Democrats didn't have to look like they were trying to cut spending, merely acceding to the pressure put uh, under them unbearably by the Republicans. In, order, that's, it's, um, in other words, much closer to the professional wrestling uh, example that you were just describing. I mean, that, I mean, you know, legally it was, are we going to raise this, the uh, allowed level of borrowing uh, by the government uh, to uh, pay debts, uh, to pay off, in effect, the deficit, right? I mean, for to keep it going. Um, and uh, so what a surprise. All of uh, the folks eventually decided they would do that. Um, and uh, what they had to do to do it, though, was to get a compromise between the two major parties on what they were going to chop out of the budget. That, that The story is in, in brief. That now they're they're uh, forcing cuts to, to legislation Congress has already passed. So Congress has approved this spending. It just the House flips to the other party, and they're undoing something that Congress already said should be yeah. done. Am I getting that yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, look, forgive me as an old fan of peanuts. You remember when? Uh, who was it? Who was holding the ball for Charlie Brown, and then they would jerk it away when he went to kick it? Um, that's sort of what's happening here. <laughs> They're snatching the ball uh, when everybody thought it was going to be a kick. Yeah, I mean that—that's the theater aspect to it. That's the part that you know, my colleagues uh, Paul Jorgensen, G. Chen, and I. We actually sort of focused on in our little piece uh, on the uh, debt ceiling debate. I mean, because the, the, the puzzle here is pretty simple, Paul. It's like, as the New York Times put it, you know, which must mean it's true, right? I mean, the, um, it said that the Democrats could easily have fixed this problem by raising the debt ceiling when they had both control of both houses of Congress. They chose not to do it. Instead, waiting, I mean, this was, they could have done it in the little session, intercession, you know, before the new Congress took over. They didn't do it. Um, and instead, they decided they'd negotiate with the Republicans, to which only, the only sensible answer is why on earth would anybody try to negotiate with the House of Representatives 
run by uh, McCarthy and company uh, over, say, public spending uh, if you didn't have to do it. You know, far better to negotiate even with Joe Manchin, as lots of people said. They, they didn't do that. That That's that's the theatrical. The- I mean, that's that's the key to it. They, and they, they had two opportunities to do that. They could have done that in the first two years of the Obama administration. They could have done it in the first two years of the Biden administration. So you got to go back to, I guess, your thesis on money and politics. Why didn't they do it? They could have done it. It's like the perfect it's the perfect swindle. I'm sorry to say um, you take uh, a bunch of big donors. You're uh, Joe Biden and you got elected by appealing to basically large numbers of big donors to beat down Bernie Sanders. Right. Um, and, um, at the same time, you're having to run a political coalition with progressive Democrats. Um, and so Biden didn't do what Hillary Clinton did, which was to shut, uh, Sanders completely out of everything pretty much after she won control of the party. Um, they were pretty careful not to do that. So they actually did sort of run a, what one is temp, I'm tempted to describe as normal coalitional politics um, with um, uh, the progressive Democrats. They actually, you know, they've, they've done, they've actually tried to pers- put people in charge of the Federal Trade Commission and actually believe in antitrust. No one had seen that in so long they can't remember. Um they, uh, well, they didn't do much in the CDC uh, for that or on, uh, but, well, all right, we'll pass over that one. But they did make serious efforts on a variety of other domestic policy dimensions, where, uh, including the, the initial big stimulus package, the one that got Larry Summers and so many other people, the uh, exercise. Um, now, their problem is, is that Biden wants to run for president uh, again, he wants to get reelected, and they have in place all these programs that were in effect coalitional programs with progressive Democrats. Um, but now they're trying to raise a billion, more than a billion new dollars. Um, now, uh, you don't have to be a genius to figure out that, uh, in, in effect, the big no-no in American politics from just, just, just let me just jump in a sec. Raise a billion new dollars to pay for the new presidential campaign. Yeah, they're running a presidential camp. Yes, exactly. They want to. It's, it's political money. Uh, is what we're talking about here. So they want to. Ra- they want that cash. Um, and and you, know, you just have to face the fact here. Uh, you may remember when Biden proposed to uh, minimize the hit to the budget deficit by very modest new taxes uh, on upper-income groups and business. Not a single business organization in the United States supported that package. There was a lot of clucking in some quarters saying, well, that's really inconsistent since they say they really like a lot of the stuff. There was even a substantial business support for, uh, you know, even some of the climate change legislation, certainly for all the tax credits and things that make that go. Um and, uh, well, so, you know, there's nothing inconsistent about that, actually, if you sort of sit around and think and you live in a money-driven political system. It's like, of course they want um, 
to have you know tax credits to, to go green if you like for the people who favor that not the legacy energy providers we'll set them off to one side right now but if you like that stuff there's nothing inconsistent by just expecting the people in the United States to pay for that too uh, well in other words you want the tax credits but you won't pay for it. that's just big money politics there's nothing puzzling about this um, now, the sort of perfect swindle on this from a Democratic side is to actually vote the stuff, come out in favor of it, and then do a deal much later where you take back uh, much of the spending on uh, the very poorest people. I mean, the stuff about trying to make uh, work requirement for work requirements uh for uh, eating and things like that you know i mean how low can we go and the answer of course as we all know is very low uh but um that's the sort of thing that it's, it's sort of like though it's a perfect swindle that's why you do this that's what they do this for 40 years paul including and note this that when the same type of situation occurred they needed the debt ceiling raise uh, after the Trump taxes were put through, the Democrats just waved the tax cut through. They just did not seriously contest it. Obama did exactly the same thing in that fabled 2011, quote, compromise uh, there, where most of the Bush tax cuts were put right in place. I, I remember I may even have talked to you about it at the time. It was just ridiculous. I mean, how, how crazy is this? I mean, that basically the Democratic line uh, among big business, we'll call them corporate Democrats, uh, which is certainly the majority of the presidential party and a big chunk of the Congress, uh, is don't raise taxes on the rich. Do try to keep your credits going with your electorate, which, you know, doesn't quite perceive this, this problem as, as you separate it in time. Uh, and just keep going. I mean, that, that's just, it's like, it's perfect. I mean, you can't ask for better. And they do it. They've kept it for 20-some years. It's Groundhog Day all the time, every two years or so, to raise the limit. I mean, as to why did the Democrats, somebody put out a press release uh, after we published our piece and said, why do the Democrats do Groundhog Day all the time? That's why. The favored structure in Congress is one party controls the House, the other controls uh, the Senate, so nothing serious can get done. The, the Wall Street loves that structural paralysis. When you get the odd time when one party controls both, when the Dems have had two opportunities, this gives you a second kick at the can for, for Wall Street and such just to, 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 to roll back any spending they don't like. But the thing, the, the underlying argument is the spending is inflationary. That's supposed to be why the Republicans are pushing so hard, and that's how they sell their positioning in all this. Um, how inflationary is the spending, and, and is, is what was rolled back going to have any effect on inflation? All right. What was rolled back? Well, I mean, especially when you sort of pick up the requirements um, for in effect, what you're trying to do with the most famous one is add so many requirements for getting fed uh, if you're able-bodied that you, you just stop. You end up having to fill out forms and everything else. I mean, it's just it's just a denial of benefits by another name. Now, think about this for a second. 
how if you think you have an aggregate demand problem driving inflation, which you know we separate conversation, but they probably do. Um, how much? What kind of a dent are you going to make in that aggregate demand by just cutting some people off from some food aid, say, um, or failing to uh, say make up the difference in inflation for lots of social programs? You're not going to make much of a dent at all. I mean, if you want to deal with your aggregate demand problem, a much simpler thing would be to, I mean, as well, I, I, here I go back to the paper Sarbas Storman I wrote. Uh, there's lots of ways to deal with this besides throwing people out of work. I mean, and to back up just a bit further, huge chunks of our current inflation haven't got anything to do with aggregate demand. There's supply shock after supply shock after supply shock. But there are a lot of wealthy people out there spending, still spending, even after the decline in the markets, um, on the basis of rises, long, fairly long-term rises in either their home values uh, or stock market values from the time they originally bought the stuff. I say that knowing perfectly well that markets also went down there. You could, if you want to sort of stop aggregate demand inflation, you're much better off telling people, okay, look, if you're rich, instead of throwing everybody out of work, we're going to make you buy some bonds. We'll pay you for the bonds. You know, I'm not talking confiscation here. It's just the old Keynes how to pay for the war uh, idea. Um, and you could pull money from the rich out, and you could. that's pretty easy to do. Uh, in theory, it's just politically, uh, I mean, you might as well try to force all your water to run uphill or something like that. That We know what the problem is with that, but you could do it. And, you know, also, look, they are, are in effect hardly, I think not even on paper are they trying to cut defense spending. Everybody agrees that in the end, after you sort of move all the money around, that it's not going to be cut at all. That's inflationary too, isn't it? Uh, if you think that you have an aggregate demand side inflation, and I would agree there's some. That's why I would favor, uh, you know, what I just said, which is let's 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 have people who are well off put some money away from spending right now. If you like, save for everybody, uh, including themselves. We're going to pay them interest on that. Um, they so. Um, that's what I do. That's why the whole inflation argument is just is just it hasn't got any role uh, in this thing. And of course, the other move you could make is you could take back back some of the Trump tax cuts. Now they just somehow never get around to that. And you know, Biden just I mean there are perfunctory noises followed by nothing. I mean if the Democrats were interested in making uh, a rise in the uh, uh, taxes cut by Trump, uh, an issue. It'd be pretty easy to tell us about it and create a public opinion uh, spiral that would push on that. You, If you see any uh, trace of this, you let me know, would you? I mean, you know, you're sitting in Canada, so you can see the whole country at once, as it were. Um, so you, you just tell me. I mean, don't make me laugh. Um, I, this is this is just you know, an unsympathetic thing. Would say it's just scandalous. I'm old fashioned, so I'm still appalled. Um, there were some s senior voices in the Democratic Party 
uh, including Yellen at one point, uh, who uh, were for getting rid of the debt ceiling. And apparently, you know, constitutionally, there's a, quite a fairly strong argument that the legislation itself is unconstitutional. Um, why, why did Bi Biden so committed to this bipartisanship uh, when, when clearly it doesn't play uh, in the Democratic Party's uh, favor electorally, other, other, other than money, what you're saying? Uh, but is it, ju is it just money or is there some electoral... F there might be a tiny advantage, but it's almost entirely to the Republicans anyway. There's a few folks around who still believe that deficits by their nature are unhealthy. There is, I think, a tiny voting block there, but that's already Republican. You know, there aren't any, you're not going to gain a lot of votes uh, there. No, I, I think this story is just, um, look, it, this is pretty, we have a problem, all right? Let me just sketch it for you. It's this. An enormous chunk of the business community doesn't trust Donald Trump. That's clear. Um they, uh, some of them even promised in the wake of the January 6th, uh, 2021, uh, you know, storming of the Capitol, um, that they would even stop giving money to the Republicans who voted to, who, you know, uh, unelect Biden, if you like, if I may put it that way, just for clarity. Um, now, nearly all of them have, in fact, gone back on that pledge. I mean, they still just want to with the Republicans, but they don't trust Trump. So there's a very strong presumption that somebody like Biden, a, a basically conservative Democrat, long history uh, of, uh, you know, when guys talk about cutting deals, what they mean, look, if that's not the kind of deals, they're not cutting the social uh, program deals, except generally to chop them uh, there. Um so they're sort of are willing to live with Biden uh, if they and particularly the Biden who can. But they are very suspicious of the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. And, you know, the the internal apparatus in the Democratic Party is itself very uh, and in the White House, very suspicious of that wing. I, I think a careful observer can see that they have tried repeatedly in both in the off-year election and elsewhere, to sort of weaken the power of the progressive Democrats a lot. That while having to also run a coalition. If you like, in the short term, they try to satisfy them what they can't, what they must. And in the long run, they try to whittle away their power. Um, and so you, this is a real unstable combination. Uh, it's not... Um, it's not guaranteed to stick around forever. Um, it, after all, consider this. You're in an, in an incredibly volatile, by its nature, atmosphere. What's the volatility? It's this. The overwhelming bulk of the population has lost big on inflation. Um, I mean, there nobody, I mean, almost hardly anyone now is even trying to claim that inflation has been wage-led. I mean, you get these insane discussions. Uh, some of the weird ones, one of the weirdest was the uh, Bernanke and Blanchard thing, where they basically said, well, it's not driven by wages. But on the other hand, that's what we really got to worry about. It's like, what? I mean, come on. You know, why don't we go after like the things that actually are uh, raising 
um, prices, of which, you know, a profit-led inflation is a pretty obvious one. And, but, you know, we'll set that aside. That's, if you like, Brookings and what do you expect. Uh, okay. So uh, there is that side. Um, and it's not, in other words, like Biden has a lock on everybody's votes. I know the White House is sort of touting uh, themselves as hugely worker friendly, and they have done a lot of reasonable things. To the National Labor Relations Board, for example, but you know what? The percentage of unionized workers has dropped every year Biden's been in power, and the losses on inflation in general are fairly substantial. That's a problem as you go into an election, um, and so this you need. I'm sure I. I don't look. This is pretty obvious. They say it often enough that you don't even have to reconstruct it. They think they're gonna. They need a billion dollars to win this election, and that money is not going to be coming from the workforce uh, that is uh, getting squeezed by inflation. Why do they need a billion dollars to win this election? And let me just say, let me let, hang on, hang on. Let me add a piece to that. If some people suggest that if Hillary when when she ran against Trump, um, if she had actually vigorously spent money and campaigned in the swing states, uh, Trump would never have won. Uh, why does it take so much money to beat Trump? Uh, he, even, I know he got 75 million votes, but in terms of the uh, what's happened in Pennsylvania last in the last election, what happened in Michigan, um, it doesn't look all that great for Trump. No, I well, all right. Just as a matter of fact. Right. I mean, I, I haven't looked this week, but uh, when I last looked in the polls, Trump was running ahead of Biden and sometimes. Well, then then, then the question, why Biden? Uh, well, yes, that does Wall Street want Biden. Uh, there's lots of Wall Street guys saying we don't want the choice between Biden and Trump. They'd like, look, you know, they said this last week. Right. I mean, it was there. Oh, I think William Ackman started it, but there were lots of folks writing it up. And the burst of media frenzy showed you you had a sort of little burgeoning tempest in a, a not a tempest, up. I always say a mass movement because I think he'd get 1% of the vote. But Jamie Dimon for president, you know. Um, there's a lot of folks that think Biden is. T is in danger of going too far to the left. What they really mean by that usually is they don't like the Democratic Party. They don't trust it. It has a strong progressive wing right now. Um, and they don't like having to deal with that. They'd really like to have a sort of center-right Republican. There's only one problem with that. You know what it is, is that Trump keeps going up in the polls in that strange universe called the Republican electorate. It really is a parallel universe. You know, and um, in this world, he's uh, a potential winner. Um, you know, I mean, just look at uh, what do they? What does he refer to? Uh, the sanctimonious, the governor of Florida. You know, uh, I mean, DeSantis can't even get. But but are, are they? Are, are the Dems worried that Wall Street will go back to supporting Trump? You know, when you go back to January sixth. Um, the, the doors of Congress were breached at 2.10 in the afternoon. At 3.10 in the afternoon, something happened which was reported but is never talked about since. The National Association of Manufacturers issued a press release 
actually calling on Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment and remove Trump. And, you know, they were the biggest lobbyist pro-Trump organization for the four years he was president up until the, his refusal to transfer power. I mean, would the corporate elites really switch back to Trump again? Now, this allows me to actually say, <laughs> right now, no. But picture this. First, first question, uh, nobody knows how deep the recession is going to be. That's a huge imponderable, uh, all right? Then there is, of course, the question about how much uh, the Democrats are going to try to make themselves over as Republicans. You know, I, I am among those. In fact, I may have invented the argument in some readings of that, uh, that uh, thought that Hillary Clinton really fell down there thanks to Obama. I, I do think that that 2011 deal with Obama, which took some years to really kick in, because it was constraining spending going forward for quite some time, um, did uh, face, you know, in the eyes of a lot of people. I actually read every single one of the American National Election Survey interviews in 2016, and there were a bunch of people that are just obviously saying, we don't see, including some I remember from black women, who were just saying, we don't see any difference between the Democrats and the Republicans. You know, other people did. And a lot of people did maybe after the election, but they didn't see it at the time in terms of the public, particularly if you're sort of looking mostly at contrasting the policy you just experienced with, you know, what somebody's promising. Um, so uh, we if, if the I think and I think Biden did start this. I don't think the deal was as bad as it could have been started out talking about. In that respect, I think they didn't collapse the differences between the parties in the way Obama did, for example, on a lot of spending programs. Um, if you're asking if this is a clinical appraisal, no. Uh, but the, um, the Democrats have probably hurt themselves with their electorate, I think, and that will over the next year become even more obvious. But, but go back to this question with the, with the corporate elites who, you know, as I suggested, one of their most important lobbying organizations actually called for Pence to remove yeah. Trump. Will these same elites go back In to Trump? In a deep recession. Um, and if it looked like that, here's the other was a real element of instability here that nobody talks about, but which is obvious, which is, look, you're now into your sort of third year or so of oh, inflation running ahead of wages, mostly at the very poorest wages have come up for reasons that had nothing to do with federal policy. We can do that some other time or even later now if you want. I mean, they basically, you couldn't get anybody to be a um, a nursing home person when when you were being paid little and it turned out to be very dangerous. I mean, that, that which was not on anybody's radar when they were doing low-wage jobs before uh, 2020. All right, we'll set that out to one side. Those can't, but the rest, people are losing three years in a row. You may see a strike wave. There's a lot of evidence of all kinds of small strikes, some bigger strikes once in a while. You know, the railroad worker strike is real obvious. And, you know, that was settled by the uh, Biden administration on terms in favor of the employers. Um, and this stuff could destabilize folks. And 
you know, a strike wave in a deep recession, yeah, you could see almost anything happen. I hesitate to mention the, the specter of Weimar, but this one has a sort of look uh, of that thing. I mean, that is to say you have a substantial progressive uh, group of people in one party. Um, the leader uh, of the country that is only partly on their side, mostly in the Weimar case, totally opposed. But on the other hand, on the other side, well, brand X, you know, with a different, <laughs> altogether uh, different twist. I wouldn't, I think things are pretty actually weird if there were a, a, a sort of VIX index for instability it would in politics that you could easily calculate i'd say this thing is much dicier than people think i repeat the point we don't know how in a deep recession with a strike wave uh, that could strengthen the progressive faction that's what happened in the new deal i mean it's worth making this point because of all this junk about how i mean i see all these contrasts between roosevelt and biden uh, you know, generally, obviously, to the detriment of Biden. Uh, but actually, Roosevelt had to be pushed into moving left in 35 and 36, after the collapse of the first New Deal and a strike wave uh, then surged. That's what actually happened. You know, I've written a lot about this in my papers on the New Deal. Uh, the strike wave often, you know, drops out in a lot of discussions, not in most historians, but in political studies. They don't tend to take that much account of it. Uh, they should. Um, this, and, and, you know, Biden falls down a couple more times. You may see an effort to find somebody else. Now, you heard it here first. Uh, I think they'll go for a Democratic governor who appears to be far from the matting crowd in Washington. And, you know, he'll just, he probably be a he. Could be a she from Michigan. Um if I had a bet, I'd say Gavin Newsom uh, is the you know first one, but that's just me. I mean, I could be wrong about that. This is a clinical judgment from a light year away, you know, on light uh, for stars that haven't actually begun to shine yet. Um, but the um, this could happen. I I think this is a the the, the most labile and unstable political situation I think I've ever seen. Is, is Biden, you think Biden's hanging on purely for personal reasons, like he just wants to be president again, or is Wall Street saying you're the only one we can really get? I beyond? think, no, I think both a lot of people in the White House wanting to stay in, he wants to stay in, and there's a constituency to see he's electable. They clearly think that they can beat Trump. They are basically calculating, I think, that abortion, the abortion issue will help them a lot, which I think it will. In a deep recession, it may not be enough. Um, and we, as I and I repeat the point that nobody in the White House, uh, and for that matter, nobody in Congress really can control what the sort of reactions are on the streets as inflation just persists. I mean, that right now you got lots of people saying it's going to drop. I think it's going to drop too, uh, but. Uh, well, let's see how much it does and see what the, what happens a lot of, and particularly the white house moved way too fast to roll back uh, all of the special provisions that they put in place under COVID. And in particular, the business about allowing people to do medical tests, 
and to paying for medical tests. That stuff's virtually all gone now. Uh, and in effect, I, this is tough. I've seen it hyperbolized this way, but it's very clear. Um, as we just say it, they were almost running a, a small European welfare state for a while under COVID. You could actually, you know, if you needed medical tests, you could get them. Uh, and you could actually get the treatment you needed, too. Um, that stuff is all gone now. And, uh, and yes, COVID hasn't disappeared, but neither is just all kinds of other normal medical stuff. And we haven't seen how people will react to this, and particularly uh, as their real wages erode. This is a very interesting situation. I, I want to focus on that, the erosion of real wages, the possibility of strike waves. I mean, there's clearly a lot of small strikes. Uh, happening. Uh, and we're just getting into the summer. We're just getting into the summer. All right. Thanks very much, Tom. Well, thank you. And thank you for joining us on the analysis.news. Don't forget the donate button and subscribe to the email list. If you're on YouTube, subscribe. If you're on podcasts, you can still come over to the website and donate.